to begin with, though, I go, why, why are we here this morning? As I'm worshiping, I go, God, why, why are all of us here this morning? And not just to come to church, but I go, I'm here for the same reason that you're here, that I want an encounter with my God this morning. I want my God to speak to my life this morning. And so that's where I feel is, is all of us. And as I was praying for these services this weekend, I felt like God said to the level that they'll open the hearts is the level that they'll receive. And God says, I'm here, and I want to speak to every single person that walks through those doors this weekend, but to the level that they open their hearts is to the level that they're going to receive, and that we can come to church this morning, and we can sit here, and we can take notes, and we can listen, and not receive anything. And I feel like that God, God goes, I, I want to, and I can't express it. I wish I could get it out in a way that, that I feel it on my heart this morning, that God goes, I want to meet with you. I want to talk to you personally. I want to speak into those places in your life. I want you to leave changed, transformed, renewed, restored in every aspect of life. And he wants to minister to us this morning. So I ask you not, not to be distracted, not to be, but to, to take everything and go, God, I focus on you. Almost if you were to reach out and go, Jesus, I, I want everything that you have and grab it. And if, if we could have that mindset and that heart this morning as we go into the word that, that you're not going to leave without grabbing what Jesus has for you, because I know I'm not going to leave without, without grabbing what Jesus has for me this morning. So if you guys can, can join me in that, we'll go ahead and, and we'll get into the word. If you guys want to find a camera in your area and wave, pastors are watching this morning. So they, uh, they wanted to watch. They miss you guys so much. They're excited to, to get back. Um, my dad is recovering so well from, from surgery, but continued prayer. He says that he's, he's got the texts, the messages, and just overwhelmed with the love and the support. And so thank you guys so much for that. But continual prayer is um, definitely needed. But going into the Word this morning, we're going we're gonna to talk about focus. And uh, uh, where are we focusing? Because we know that, that where we aim is where we're going to land. Where we're looking is where we're going to land. And if we aim at nothing, we're going to hit nothing. And my dad has talked several times because he used to ride bulls, and he said that um, as soon as he looked at the ground, that's where he was going to land. Um, so where we look, we're going to land. And then I'm a, I'm a basketball coach, and I was at practice the other day with some of the girls, and they're having this one-on-one game, and uh, the two of my post players, and one of them is a lot taller than the other one, and really long arms, just abnormally skinny and long. Um, but the, the other girl would come up, she'd make a good move, come up to shoot, and get blocked every time, would hit her hand. And she gets mad, and she goes, Coach, I can't do this. And I said, well, where are you looking? She goes, at her hand, you're hitting her hand consistently. You are 100% of where you're looking. I said, you got to look at the basket. Where, where's your target? Where's that little hook that you're looking at? She goes, okay. She gets the ball again, same move, gets open, cashes it. And she goes, oh, okay, that makes sense. I said, you can't look at her hand. You're going to hit whatever you're looking at. And so in going into focus this morning, the definition of focus is the center of interest, activity, or attention. The point at which everything lines up to create an image. So everything focuses to create an image. And I want to keep that in our mind. We're going to come back to that on every point. And we're going to look at um, four different areas that our focus can be, can be pointed towards that maybe will distract us from really what God wants us to do and wants to do in our lives. We're going to look at a past, present, and future. And then some um, negativity. And uh, so the first place I'd like to go is Exodus 3. Thank you. Last night, they were so far taking notes, they didn't even know I said a scripture. They were so confused. <laughs> but where we're going to pick up in this story, Moses has been hiding in the desert, and uh, he, he comes across, uh, across this burning bush that's talking. So I'm going I'm to read that, and we'll kind of go back into a little bit more what's going on here. But uh, 310 is where we'll start, and we're kind of going to skip around through 3 and 4 here. 
It says, Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. And then skip down to 4 1. And it says, but then Moses answered and said, but suppose they do not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? And he said, a rod. And then go down to 4.10. Then Moses said to the Lord, oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing or the blind? Have I not the Lord? Now, therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. But he said, oh, my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else that you may send. Okay, so we're picking up out here. And, and I told him last night, if a bush was talking to me, I wouldn't argue with it. <laughs> I mean, do you guys talk to bushes normally? And chapters three and chapters four here, Moses is arguing with a bush. <laughs> that would be on my Snapchat story. <laughs> Look at this guy. He, he's arguing with a bush for, th for two chapters. If, a, if I walked outside and a bush said, Shelby, you need to go to Africa. I'm like, okay. I'm not going to argue with a bush. If a bush is talking, it means something. Well, Moses decides to argue with the bush. Um, but there's a few things here. And our first point is that we can focus on our past or our present. And in this mirror, you can always see two things. You can always see you. You can always see your reflection, and you can always see what's behind you. Two areas. And a lot of times, people over there are feeling left out. There you go. You can always see you, and you can always see behind you. So if I'm focused on me, or I'm focused on what's behind me, I can't see what God's trying to do. Okay, so there's two areas here with this mirror that we focus on. And Moses did both of them. First off, he's like, who am I? And then I have to think, you know when you call somebody and you call their house phone and they're like, are you home? <laughs> yes, yes, you did call my house phone. I am indeed home. Well, I feel like that's what's happening with Moses and God here. God's like, or Moses is like, God, do you know where I'm at? And God's like, yeah, I'm the one visiting you in the desert while you're hiding. I'm the one here. And, and Moses is, is who, who am I to do this? And God's like, I know exactly who you are. So the first thing here is, is Moses looks at himself. He looks at his past. He looks at the reason that he's even hiding in the desert in the beginning with is because he killed an Egyptian and fled. And so he sees his past and he's hiding. Well, then God assures him, I'm going to be with you. Don't worry about it. We got this. Well, then Moses says, well, they won't listen to me. I don't have what it takes. I, I can't do what you've asked me to do. Here's the other thing God does, is God reverses this whole mirror theory with, with Moses. Is he goes, hey Moses, what do you have? I can see that mirror too. I can see you. I can see what's behind you. What do you have? And in this, it's, it's represented with a rod, because he was a shepherd. But God says, hey, I can see you, and I can see your past. So I'm looking in the same mirror you are, and that's what I want to use. But Moses is arguing, going, no, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't do that. Well, then it goes farther, and Moses talks about his speech. God, I can't because I'm slow of speech. God, I can't because, because I have this wrong with me. 
because I'm in this situation right now, because I have this thing, I can't do what you've asked. And so many times, I wonder how many times we look in this mirror and go, God, I, I can't, you, my past. God, you don't know where I came from. God, you don't know what's going on with me right now. This is why I can't do that. Can you send somebody else in my place? And God's going, yeah, yeah, I see that exact thing, and that's the exact thing that I want to use. He's not asking to change. He didn't ask Moses, okay, Moses, here's a 10-step process, and if you can get through the 10 steps to recovery, then I'll use you. No, he said, Moses, I want to use you now. I want to use you the way you are. I want to use you with your past and with what you're doing and all your problems. I want to use them now to do what I want to accomplish. And God's saying the same thing to us. But here's the problem. He's arguing with a bush. Why is he arguing with a bush? Because it didn't matter what God said. It didn't matter what God said that he was with him. It didn't matter God said he was going to go before him. It didn't matter that God said he was going to tell him what to say. It did not matter what God said because his focus was on him and on his past. And how many times in our lives can we focus so much on ourselves and on our past that we completely cannot focus? God's asking us. God's equipping us. God's going, man, I have predestined you. I, am re- I, wanna, I want you to have this. I want you to do this. I have this for you. I've equipped you. I'm going with you. And God, I can't do it. Moses would not have gone to Egypt. Moses would not have gone back to Pharaoh until he changed his focus from himself and his past to God. And so on our first focus point here, are we focused on us? Are we focused on our past? Are we focused on our current circumstance? Are we, are we a product of that? All I see is me and what's behind me. All I see is me and the product of what I am. I, it, it changes on my circumstance. It's me and my past. And we just, our definition of focus was that everything lines up to create an image. So our focus is on us. Our focus is on us as a product of our past. So everything in our lives, no matter who's in it, no matter what's being said, no matter where we're at, is always focused around ourselves in our past, including God's word, including what God has to say is focused in that because we have made that the focus point. So we have that image created and now everything is revolving around that, including God. And so that's our first point that, that we can't put our focus on the things of the past. We can't put our focus on ourselves and allow God to move around that. We've got to put God back where he belongs. Our focus, Moses would not have gone. It didn't matter what God said. Until Moses focused on God, he would never have gone to Egypt. So that's our first point. Um, and I just want to, Luke 9:62. you don't have to turn there, but it says, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Philippians 3.13 says, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching ahead um, to those things that Christ has for me, that we're pushing forward, that we're not looking at it, what's behind us. Um, so we're going to move on to our second point, but yesterday morning, uh, my dog wanted outside ridiculously early. So I get up, and it's like fall has arrived. I look outside, and my grass is glistening in frost, and there's fog everywhere. I'm like, fall is officially here. Do you know what I should do? I should grab a blanket and a giant cup of coffee, and I should sit next to my window and watch this wonderful, yeah, thank you, okay? I think that's a fantastic idea. So I grab my big blanket and my giant cup of coffee, and I sat there, and I watched fall happen in front of me. It was great. Okay, girls, you all get that. They said last night, the guys are more like, this is perfect hunting weather. (laughs) And they want to go out and experience fall in it. I did not have any desire to go out there. I wanted to sit with my cup of coffee and watch fall take place. Okay, so I'm I'm sitting there. Now, Now, here's my question. Was I, in fact, experiencing fall? I was, right? I am sitting there 
with my coffee, with my really fuzzy blanket, watching what's going on outside. Okay, now there's a guy in the Bible It's kind of similar to this. So if we can turn over to Luke 19.1, and I'll come back to that point. And it says, then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was short in stature. I told him last night, if he had cute heels like me, he could see just fine. (laughs) Um, So he ran ahead and climbed up the sycamore tree in front of him, and he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. Okay, so just, just like I was just looking at fall, I could see fall. I came to my window to see fall take place outside my window, right? It says Zacchaeus, um, he sought to see who Jesus was. So Zacchaeus came to see him. Okay, but that wasn't good enough for Jesus. Jesus didn't want Zacchaeus to see him from behind a window. So our second focus point is our present area. And sometimes we want to see Jesus through our window. I know this is a really cute frame. We're going to pretend it's a window. So we come to see Jesus, but that wasn't good enough for Zacchaeus, or or for Jesus. Jesus said, "I I don't want you to see me, Zacchaeus. I want to come hang out with you. Now, there's a difference between experiencing something and encountering something. To experience something means it's a practical contract, contact, not contract, sorry, with an observation of focus or events. To encounter something is to come upon face to face. So Zacchaeus here, he wanted to see Jesus, but Jesus said, no, I want to hang out with you. Zacchaeus wanted to experience Jesus. Jesus wanted to have an encounter with Zacchaeus. See the difference? So, so many times our focus can be on seeing something, on seeing Jesus, but not encountering Jesus. Here's the other thing, and this, this really bothered me yesterday. Really bothered me yesterday, actually. I was, I was studying, and I'm, I'm reading through the, the Gospels at some of these stories, and it amazed me that a multitude was always around Jesus. A multitude was constantly around Jesus, right? So then I read through, and I'm like, so is it a different set of people each time? It never once says a multitude. It says the multitude, So it's the same group of people that are following Jesus from place to place to place, watching what he's doing. But the multitude came, the multitude left. The multitude came, the multitude left. The multitude came, the multitude left. I never heard anything about what the multitude actually did with what they got. They just came and left. They saw what Jesus did, and they left. So I think about my life, and I go, do I experience Jesus, or do I encounter Jesus? Are are we a church that the multitude comes, the multitude leaves, the multitude comes, the multitude leaves, that we never have an encounter with Jesus and never do anything with what what we receive here because we experience, we come to see what Jesus is doing here, we come to see what Jesus is gonna do in worship, we experience the atmosphere of worship, experience the word that's being brought forth, or do we actually encounter our God? Do we actually encounter our Jesus? When we go to prayer at home, 
Are we there for the experience? I'm here to see Jesus. Are we truly there to encounter Jesus? Because Zacchaeus would have had two different stories. If Jesus would not have shown up to his house, he would have said, yeah, I saw Jesus. I experienced Jesus. I saw him heal a few people. I saw him do some cool things. I saw all that. That was really cool. Zacchaeus would have remained the same. But Jesus came to Zacchaeus' house, and if you read farther down, it says, today is the day of salvation, Zacchaeus. Today salvation has come to your house. And so when I'm encountering Jesus instead of experiencing Jesus, I don't leave the same way that I came. Every time, I firmly believe that every time you encounter Jesus, you don't leave the same way that you came. Every time. So there should not be a Sunday morning that we are here, the multitude, us, there's not a Sunday morning that we are here that we don't leave different than where we came. We don't leave closer to Jesus than where we walked in with Jesus. Every time that I pray at home, every time that I'm spending time in prayer, spending time in the Word, I should not get up the same as I went down. That's an encounter with Jesus. Zacchaeus was never the same. His life was changed because he encountered Jesus. He didn't experience Jesus. And I look at it and I go, the feed store church will not be the multitude that came and went, that came and went, that came and went, that came and went. And never did anything. The San Luis Valley is not that big. And we all know different groups of people that if we truly come and encounter Jesus, our valley should be rocked. We're not the multitude that comes and goes. Our children back there are not the multitude that come and go. That they experience some fun on Sunday morning. They experience some cool things, some really good worship, some great instruments. We experience that on a Sunday morning, but how is it changing our lives? Because if our lives are truly changed, the people around us will be impacted. You, you can't stop it. But, it, but if, we, if we don't, if we just experience Jesus, my life isn't changed. You can tell me that you went to the Broncos game last weekend and what an experience it was. Your life isn't changed. If you were playing on that field, it might be changed. That's how, that's how God, it's not a window. So our focus can be to see Jesus. Our focus can be experience Jesus. Or our focus can be, I'm going to encounter my Jesus. I'm going to encounter, I'm going to grab hold of what he has for me. So I, I as, as a group, as, as a church, I go, let's change the culture of our church that we don't come to experience Jesus, but we come to encounter Jesus. That every time we set foot in this building, we go, I will not leave the same way that I came. I'm going to leave with something new. I'm going to leave with something greater. And when I sit down in prayer in my home, we're not going to get up the same way that I, I went down on my knees. When my family prays, we're not going to get up the same way. Our focus must be on Jesus. Our focus is Jesus wants to encounter us. He went to the desert to talk to Moses. He's not going to wait for you to be perfect before he wants to have an encounter with you. He wants to encounter with you every single day. And it's not just an experience with him. He doesn't want you to see what he does. He wants you to be with him. He wants to talk to you. That's our Jesus. And that's where our focus has to shift from our past and go, okay, I'm focusing on Jesus. Our focus has to shift from our present, from just watching what's going on to actually encountering what's going on because it changes our life. I would not have sat outside with my blanket and coffee. I would have worn lots of winter clothing to sit outside. It would have changed. But I can sit in the comfort of my home and watch what's going on because it's more comfortable. Or I can be challenged to go, God, I don't care. But I'm going to encounter you, and I'm going to leave different. Um... So encounter God, not experience God. All right, now I want to go to Exodus 8.1. We're going to move on to our next point here, our next focus point. So we're going to go back to Egypt, and Moses is there now. I asked him last night, how many plagues were there? Oh, man. 
Our children's ministry classrooms are open Saturday nights, Sunday mornings, and Wednesday nights. We do teach on the plagues of Egypt. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Man. Jeez. All right. So we're on plague number three. There were not three, so there were more of these coming. That's important to know as we go into this story. But it says, and the Lord spoke to Moses. We're going to start in, uh, just kidding, I lied. Oh, yeah. We're going to start in verse one. And the Lord spoke to Moses, go to Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. But if you refuse let them go, to let them go, behold, I will smite all your territory with frogs. This is where we differ from children's ministry kids. They're like, really? We won't let the people go. We want the frogs. <laughs> so the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly, which shall go up and come into your house, into your bedroom, on your bed, into the house of your servants, on your people, into your ovens, and into your kneading bowls. And the frogs shall come up on you and your people and all your servants. They got a double portion. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, say to Aaron, stretch out your hand with your rod over the streams, over the rivers, and over the ponds, and cause frogs to come up into the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. And the magicians did so with their enchantments and brought up frogs on the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and said, and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and my people, and I will let the people go that they may sacrifice to the Lord. And Moses said to Pharaoh, Accept the honor of saying when I shall intercede for you, for your servants, and for your people to destroy the frogs from you, your houses, that they may remain, remain in the river only. And he said, Tomorrow. So, so I'm just going to rephrase the story a little bit. There's lots of frogs everywhere in Egypt, annoying frogs in everything. And, and Moses, or Pharaoh calls Moses and goes, Hey, can you pray that God take these away, please? And Moses goes, yeah, sure. When do you want them gone? Uh, yesterday? But, uh, no, Pharaoh says tomorrow. What? Tomorrow? I want them gone like I didn't want them to begin with. But tomorrow? Why tomorrow? I want them gone now. Okay, but remember Pharaoh's thing at the beginning is that Moses said, if, if you agree to let the people go. So that really has nothing to do with our lives except for sometimes we put off for tomorrow what should be done today because sometimes we're questioning if we're really going to follow through with what we said. If we can really do what we said we do. So this area of focus is tomorrow. Future focus. And we were hunting last week, and I did not, in fact, walk around like this to hunt. I have a hard enough time walking on flat ground with my eyes right in front of me. So looking like this to hunt would have been quite awful and very ineffective. Why? Because I miss everything that's right in front of me. Everything that's right here. So sometimes we are so focused on who I want to be, who God said I would do, or who God said I would be, what God said I would do. We're so focused on what's up here where we want our family to be. Those are all good things. None of those are wrong. We do want to know who God's called us to be, what he's called us to do, what he wants for our families, what he wants for us individually. Those are good things to know. But they can't be our focus. Because if those are our focus, then we solely look at that and we miss what's happening right now. I look at Abraham and Sarah. God told them what was coming, but they were so focused on what was coming that they forgot to focus on God and tried to help him out themselves. 
And sometimes we do the same thing that we're so focused. God said I would be that and that's what my focus is and I miss everything that's going on right now. And, and, and we, I'll start tomorrow. I'll start encountering God tomorrow. I learned it in church on Sunday. I'll start tomorrow. My question is, is if we always are focused on starting something tomorrow, will we ever do something today? Because it will always be tomorrow. And if you're OCD like me, you only start things on Mondays. You can't start things on Tuesdays or Wednesdays or Thursdays. It must be a Monday. So if you miss Monday, it's next week. It's not even tomorrow anymore. Next Monday, I will start something new. Okay, <laughs> We're always looking, looking ahead where we miss what's happening right now. And, and so I go, where, how does our focus be up there? And, and we're stepping on the things right now. We're missing. It's, I'm just going to get to that point. Well, we miss so much of what's going on. So reading back through, when, I, when I'm looking at all the things with the multitudes and Jesus and the Gospels, he's traveling a lot. He goes all these places very consistently. He is on a roll with moving forward. But never once, I mean, with Zacchaeus, if we just use that example, was Jesus like, hey, I'm passing through Jericho. If you're still in the tree, when I get back, we'll talk. <laughs> but I've got to get where I'm going. How many times did Jesus stop with what was right in front of him? He knew where he was going. It says where Jesus was going. It did not say he was stopping in Jericho. It said he was passing through Jericho. Jesus knew where he was going, where God had him going, and who he was supposed to be. So he's moving in that direction, but he never missed what was happening right in front of him. Never once did he not stop and take care of what was happening. Never once did he miss Zacchaeus. And I have to wonder how many times in our lives, even with our families, if we, this is where we want our family to be, this is who I'm supposed to be, this is what I'm supposed to do, do we step on opportunities that are daily presented to us because we are constantly looking at what's up here instead of what's right here. We can't allow the preparation of tomorrow to distract us from the purpose of today. Because really, our purpose of today is what prepares us for tomorrow. But we, we so many times are busy preparing for what God wants us and what in our own strength because that's our focus instead of our focus being on Jesus that we miss everything that's right in front of us today. Taking care of our families today. Talking to those people in our workplace today. Jesus is on his way to the cross. He's getting arrested and Peter cuts off some guys here and he's like, sorry, buddy, I'm headed to my deathbed. No, he's like, let me just put your ear back on real quick. He is on the cross about to die. And the guy next to him, the guy next to him, we all know the story. He says, no, today you'll be with me in paradise. That Jesus wasn't so focused on what he was supposed to be doing. He wasn't so focused on himself. He's probably in a lot of pain. Knew he was going to die. He wasn't so focused on all those things that he missed what was going on right here. But too many times, we can be so focused on where we're going, on who we want to be, that we miss what's happening today. And we can never be, and I promise that if we only focus on where we're going, where we want to be, where we want our families to be, we'll never get there. Because God has something to prepare you today. He has a purpose for you today to ever get to your tomorrow. But if we're so focused up there, we'll never get there. Because God can't prepare us in our todays. 
And so our, our, that, that was our, our next area of focus. We've done our past. We've done our present. Eli, can you switch this? And we've done our future. That we can't be focused on what's behind us. We can't be focused on where we're at, on experiencing God instead of encountering God. And we can't be focused on, can everybody see that? Ish. Everybody can see it? Anybody not see it? You guys need to see it for a moment. Okay. Anybody notice anything? What? Okay. How many of you noticed that my first multiplication was wrong? Okay. Um, how come everybody noticed the one I got wrong and nobody noticed the three I got right? Everybody noticed what I did wrong. Nobody noticed the ones I did right. Shelby, way to go with those three. No, you're like, where'd she go to school? <laughs> Math teacher up in the top is like, mm-mm. <laughs> okay. We all noticed that. Okay, so wrapping up our entire idea of focus here, we naturally focus on the negative. Our mind naturally focuses on negative things. And they've done several studies. I'm not just making that up, I promise, because I always have to bring some science into whatever we do. We naturally will focus on the negative. Um, in the English dictionary, 62% of the words are negative. We are mostly very negative. Uh, there are two different brain systems. Um, one of them processes positive things, the other er, processes negative things. Our amygdala uses two-thirds of its neurons to detect negative experiences, and once the brain stores um, or starts looking for bad information, then it is immediately stored into long-term memory. So immediately, it gets something negative, and it immediately stores it into long-term memory. On the positive side of things, when a positive experience happens, we actually have to, this is our 12-second thing, we have to hold it in our awareness for 12 seconds before it was transferred from short-term to long-term memory. Okay, our minds naturally focus on negative things. One of the researchers, um, Rick Hansen, says that the brain is like Velcro for negative emotions and Teflon for positive ones. Okay, they just don't stick. We naturally focus on the negative. And the studies show that unless occupied by other thoughts, worrying is the brain's default position. Naturally negative. So our focus is naturally negative. Where did Moses focus? On the negative. And, it, and it, Zacchaeus was a tax collector, so nobody liked those guys. So that was obviously a negative thing that he could not go see Jesus. And looking way ahead, I mean, we, we focus on the negative. Abraham and Sarah were like, God left us. He told us. Apparently, he wanted us to get there on our own. So now I'm a little bit frustrated that we're not where we're supposed to be. I'm frustrated that I'm not who I am. I'm frustrated that God's word hasn't come true yet. And so then there's Abraham and Sarah here, and they're a little frustrated. Now it's all of a sudden the negative of what God's not doing instead of what God did. And I was talking to my dad a little bit about his surgery. Um, I was going over my notes with him yesterday, and he goes, oh, that works perfectly with what I'm going through. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, um, he goes, there's a lot of pain, a lot of pain from this surgery. Um, he said, it's, it's absolutely horrible. He said, but the, the thing that they're trying to do in my leg, he said, they're sending these volts down my leg. And he said, 
I, they have to get the settings right to know that the pain is being taken away. He goes, but I, I have two options here. He goes, to get that thing set right for an eternal good, he goes, I have to focus on the good being done in my leg and not the temporal pain going on in my back. He said, if I focus on the temporal pain going on in my back, I will miss the good that's going on in my leg. He said, but if I can change my focus from the negative going on that's a temporal pain and I can focus on what's eternally good, then, then it removes the focus and, I, and then they can get the setting right. And I go, oh, Dad, I'm going to use that in my message today because it fits so perfectly with focus. But he has to take his mind and actually, he said, it takes everything within me to focus on the good that's being done in that leg instead of the negative going on in my back. He said, my back, that's temporal. My leg is eternal. And that fits so perfectly that we can focus on the negative that's going on right now, the temporal negative things that we're going through and miss the good that's being done eternally because my Bible says that God works everything to my good and that he's never gonna leave me nor forsake me. And that if I seek him first, that all these things will be added to me. That's what my Bible says. Yours may be different, but you can read it and find out. But if I focus on the temporal negativity, and there's negativity every day, the temporal negativity, I'll miss the eternal good that God's doing. Because my focus is on the negativity. My focus isn't on God. I looked at the, the Israelites, and I, man, I get so frustrated with them sometimes because I'm going... God got you out of Egypt. He split the Red Sea. You had food. You had water. You literally had a cloud to follow. I would like a cloud to follow. I'm like, where am I going, God? Please show me. A fire by night. Wouldn't that be nice? Like, I would really appreciate that. And pizza all the time. That's what manna is. Pizza every meal of the day. A cloud to follow. Fresh water that was really coffee. <laughs> I don't see anything wrong with their living situation at all, actually. I'm like, they were in heaven. It really is where they were. But the, the Israelites, they, they, were, they always needed something else. They always needed more. And they looked back. We would rather go back to Egypt. Why are we out here to die? They always looked back. And I go, why? What? How in the universe? Is that even a remote possibility? And, and so I'm studying this and I, I go, I don't, I don't get that. But again, back to Moses, if our focus is on the negative things, if our focus is not on what Jesus is doing, if our focus isn't on him, we'll always need more. We'll always look back. Well, it was easier without God. It was easier when I wasn't in church every week. It was easier when I wasn't doing what I'm doing. And it was easier when I wasn't answering the call that God had on my life. And I always need something new and I always need something more because I'm never satisfied because my focus is on the negative things. My focus isn't on Jesus. And so where should our focus be after going through all these? If we can flip over to Hebrews 12.1, our focus can't be anywhere but Jesus because back to what focus even meant in the beginning was that all these things line up to create an image and in that image then everything revolves around it because that's where our focus is. If our focus is on Jesus, everything in my life, every circumstance that I'm walking through, my past, my present, my future, all revolves around the image of my Jesus. Meaning when I make a mistake, I don't get guilt and condemnation and shame, I get God's grace. 
I see everything that encompasses my Jesus when my focus is on him and not on the circumstances. So in Hebrews 12.1, it says, um, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin that so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame he has set down at the right hand of God. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher. If he is the author of my life, he kind of has to be there to write it, right? If I'm the author of Eli's life, I can't not ever be there. I would make up some great things. <laughs> Eli loves snakes. Eli! <laughs> I have to be there in his life to write a book about Eli, to be the author. Which means my God has to be with me to be the author. If I look unto Jesus and he is the author, he's going to be there. My focus is on Jesus. He doesn't leave me. He doesn't forsake me. And, and then he's the finisher. He's going to finish what he started. But if my focus is on the finishing, or if my focus, sometimes, we're back to our, our looking in the future, if we're so focused on what God is going to do, I, I, we can be focused on a healing instead of our healer. We can be focused on what God needs. God, God's my provider. So we can be so focused on the provision that we forget about the provider. And we'll always need more, even though he's supplied every single time. We can be so focused on getting a healing. We can be so focused on getting our family back together. We can be so focused. Anything outside of Jesus will always need where we need more. We will never be satisfied. We will never get where we're going if we're focused on anything but Jesus. And how many times, even in our, in our family lives, do we feel like we're falling apart, but we're all focused on ourselves, focused on our past, focused on what we don't have, focused on what God's not doing, instead of just focusing on Jesus? Because then everything else is wrapped around that. In there, there's joy, there's peace, there's comfort. He's our helper. That's who Jesus is. And if our focus is on him, then nothing else that we need to worry about. And, and so now I want to flip over to uh, 2 Corinthians 4.16. It didn't matter what was going on in the storm when Peter got out of the boat. When his eyes were on Jesus, he walked on water. When he took his eyes off Jesus, he sunk. He looked at his circumstance and his eyes went off Jesus and he sunk. But when he was looking at Jesus, it didn't matter what was going on. He knew that there was a storm. He was aware of what was going on in his surroundings. But he took his eyes off of where they belonged. He took his eyes off of Jesus. And in 4.16, it says, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Well, we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Okay, a lot of times when we hear that let's focus on Jesus, you're like, yeah, but I can't ignore what's going on in my life, Shelby. I can't ignore what's going on in my life. Nobody's asking you to ignore it. We know it's there. We are fully aware of what's going on in our lives. We're just saying we can't stare at it. We know what's going on. I know that I'm struggling with this. I know that my finances look like this. I know that my family life looks like this. I know that I'm struggling with this. I know what my past is. I know what I feel like I am in my present. I'm aware of all of those things, but I'm not going to focus on it. Just because we're going through something doesn't mean our focus changes. My focus is still on Jesus. I am fully aware of what's going on, but I'm going to see it through the image that's created in Jesus and not the image of what's created in that circumstance because then it will immediately go to negativity. So we can't focus on, on, on anything but Jesus. Our focus has to be Jesus. Psalm 46.10 says to be still and know that I am God. 
Joshua 1.9 says that my God is with me wherever I go. Deuteronomy 31.6 said that he never leaves me nor forsakes me. Isaiah 58.11 says the Lord shall guide you continually. Um, in Psalms, it says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at the right hand and I shall not be moved. Our focus has to be on Jesus. Has to be on Jesus. It can't be on our past. It can't be on, on any circumstance. It, it, it always has to be on Jesus. And here's the cool thing about our God is it says to draw near to me and I will draw near to you. To call to me and I will answer you. If our focus is anywhere but Jesus, even calling to him and hearing his answer won't change it. Drawing near to him and letting him draw near to us won't change it. If our focus is not on him and solely on him, our circumstances won't change. We will never get to where we're going because our focus has to be solely on Jesus. Will you stand with me?